Kimberly Beth Garcia. Today, we're going to have a discussion with Jeffrey Abbott, Professor of Physiology and Biophysics in the UCI School of Medicine. His research efforts focus on the molecular mechanisms underlying the benefits of traditional herbal remedies. He was the lead author on a recent study in Proceedings of the National Academy of Sciences on the KCNQ5 potassium channel and its relation to genetically and culturally diverse hypotensive folk medicines. Our discussion is up next. Professor Jeff Abbott, welcome to the UCI podcast. How are you doing today? I'm doing very well, thank you. How are you? I'm doing well myself. Um, so tell us more about your overall research, what it is that you are interested in, what do you study? Okay, so uh, for the past 20-something years, um, we've been studying ion channels in my lab. So these are the proteins that pass electrical currents in the body. Mm-hmm. So they're very important for um, the heartbeat, every thought that you have, every muscular movement, um, pretty much every process in the body is controlled by the passage of electrical currents in the form wow. of ions. And we study potassium channels, so we're, we're really obsessed with the movement of potassium ions in the body. Hmm. So more recently, we realized that uh, many of the herbal medicines and even foods that are commonly consumed in the United States mm-hmm. can um, have molecules in them that activate some uh, types of potassium channel. So really, there's been more of a focus recently in my lab on, on that particular aspect. So can you tell me more about that's the study you conducted recently? Uh, KCNQ5 activation is a unifying molecular mechanism shared by genetically and culturally diverse botanical hypotensive folk medicines. Can you tell us more about what it was about and what you found? Absolutely. So, so we study a class of potassium channels called KCNQs. It's just a, a name for the type of the gene family. And okay. there's five genes in the KCNQ family in the human genome. Okay. So we started to focus um, previously on some of those uh, channels that are expressed in the brain. But this study is about one that's expressed in both the brain and the blood vessels, mm. KCNQ5. So the idea is that if you can activate potassium channels, and especially KCNQ5, in the blood vessels you might be able to relax those blood vessels because activation of potassium channels um, relaxes cells and therefore relaxes uh, the smooth muscles surrounding blood vessels. If you can activate them, relax the blood vessels, this is a way to lower blood pressure. And as hypertension or high blood pressure is such a big problem in um, globally and and, uh, in in the United States, um, this is a a target that potentially, if if we were successful, we could benefit uh, millions of people. We have been studying traditional medicines for the last year or two, and then coming to KCNQ5 in the vasculature. We had the hypothesis, and Rian Manville, who was a postdoc in my lab, um, came up with this idea that maybe there were compounds in some plants that could mm. activate these channels. So what we did, we looked at 10 plants that have been used traditionally to lower blood pressure or have been found in clinical or preclinical trials Mm. to lower blood pressure or relax blood vessels or both. We expected to find one or two hits. Um, Stunningly, we found that all 10 plants activated this particular channel. So we take a 1% extract of the the plant 
and we apply it to the channels expressed in, in actually frog eggs, which is a really mm. nice system to use for this That's study. And we found all 10 plants did it. We were pretty stunned by this. Wow. So then we took five plants that, that are not used to lower blood pressure as a control experiment. We took five. Oh, wow. Not one of them activated that channel. So if you do the That's statistics, this is kind of a one in a million chance of it being a coincidence. So, so it really must be yeah. real that KCNQ5 activation is a unifying mechanism for traditional uh, plant medicines that lower blood pressure. Um, another aspect of the story was we then looked at the effects of these plant extracts on, on a channel that's only expressed in the brain, the KCNQ2-3 channel complex, and none of those plant extracts activated the brain channel. Hmm. So not only was this phenomenon unique to plants that lower blood pressure, it was also unique to KCNQ5. It was specific. So only wow. the KCNQ5 channels, not the closely related KCNQ2-3 channels, were activated. So then we went on. So th these are plants that many, many um, listeners and, and people who read this um, article will remember or will know because many of them are consumed might have them at every their, week. Their home. <laughs> exactly. They're, they're available in the supermarkets. Yeah. Many of them we got from supermarkets. Things oh. like uh, fennel. Um, mm -hmm. chamomile which a lot of people have chamomile tea tarragon thyme basil yeah. oregano all the all things that are consumed regularly and are actually in the mediterranean diet which is um mm -hmm. specifically which is a very healthy diet yeah. but also things like wow. ginger as well and then a couple of traditional chinese medicines that are not so well known in the united states that come mm -hmm. from a plant genus called sephora so this is across the board so it's not just one particular species or genus of plants it's it's all across the one common feature is not the plant species but it's what they were traditionally used for which is lowering blood pressure or or relaxing blood vessels or generally relaxing so we think that ancient civilizations that have been using these plants for thousands of years had it right they knew that they were beneficial in some cases they knew that they were beneficial for people with high blood pressure or what was commonly known as hard artery disease before mm. we really could measure blood pressure. Mm -hmm. We think they knew what they were doing. They didn't know how they worked, obviously, but they knew that they worked. So coming forward and looking at using cutting edge techniques, um, we can now say even down to the atomic level, we know exactly where specific compounds wow. in these plants bind in the, in the channel protein. We know the molecular mechanism for these remedies that have been used for millennia in some cases. So were you shocked when you saw these results? Yes. I, <laughs> yeah, because... Because I'm pretty shocked myself. <laughs> yeah, we, it was pretty... So, you know, we thought at first this must be an artifact. It must just be... This yeah. channel is very sensitive. But then when we tried the non-blood non pressure-lowering yeah. plants, there was no effect. So, so oh, then we wow. were very confident that this is a real effect. So then we did two things. We, we looked at several compounds for one of the plants, which is Sephora flavescens, which mm -hmm. is a Chinese traditional medicine plant, commonly known as Kushen in China. And we looked at the top compounds in that plant extract and we tried, tested those one by one to see if we could find the specific compound, the chemical that was involved in this, in this effect. And we found it, it's called alloperine, um, and it activates KCNQ5 selectively. So it doesn't activate the other KCNQ isoforms. Mm -hmm. And this is a first, so none of the drug companies have been able to come up with a KCNQ5 selective activator, but it was hidden there in this plant all along. So what we did then, we collaborated with, uh, with Thomas Jeps in University of Copenhagen, Denmark, who's an expert on looking at vascular smooth muscle, and he applied alloperine ex vivo, which just means you know isolated blood vessels, and found that alloperine relaxed the blood vessels, and that effect could be blocked 
by another chemical that inhibits KCNQ5 channels. So it's oh. a way of showing, yes, we found the compound, it activates KCNQ5, it relaxes blood vessels, and its action on those vessels is dependent on its action on KCNQ5. So it kind of closes the loop in that respect for the molecular mechanism. Having said that, this group of plants now becomes a treasure trove for new potential compounds to treat blood pressure. We looked at one plant in detail with one compound, aloperin, and we found, you know, tied off the effects and, and found that that's the mechanism. But the other nine plants we looked at, many of them are from different genuses. They will have many different compounds in them, possible multiple compounds in them. And each one of those plants contains compounds that either could be used therapeutically in the future or could be the lead compound for synthetic chemistry efforts to modify them and improve them to make compounds in the future. That's pretty fascinating. How do you see the future of the of this kind of um, research? Because it wasn't, it's not um, the norm, I guess, or at least it hasn't been studied as extensively. What do Correct. you yeah. What do you think that is? So, so I think uh, you know herbal medicines um, received some bad press. Um, there are definitely some uh, non-scientific non-effective herbal herbal remedies that have been used incorrectly over the years um, and because of those i think a lot of the field is sort of tarnished um, so what we're trying to do al along with other people in this field is trying to properly test medicines find the molecular mechanisms and ultimately the goal could be threefold one could see a, um, a situation where you introduce specific combinations of these plants or or into the diet so mm -hmm. to, to treat certain um, disorders, because many of these have been tolerated by large populations of people for thousands of years, so mm -hmm. side effects for some of these would be less of a worry. Now, it doesn't mean because something's yeah. natural that it's necessarily safe, yeah. but we know for many of these plants I talked about, they're safe. So that could be one yeah. idea. Another one could be to create tablets that had concentrated extracts of specific mm -hmm. combinations of these plants, so sort of a nutraceuticals approach. Mm -hmm. um, you don't have to get FDA approval for that, but you would have to... Mm -hmm. um, you know, find that it was safe and effective. Then the third way is is what I touched on in the previous uh, answer, which was to isolate the compounds, possibly improve them, mm -hmm. to come up with more of a what we think of as a modern drug, a single mm -hmm. or one or two molecules that, that's very efficacious and ho hopefully safe as well. So there's sort of yeah. three different approaches, um, and I think any of those could be open uh, in the future to this. Now there are blood pressure lowering medications already out there on the mm -hmm. market obviously. Not all of them are safe and not all of them are available to some populations. Mm -hmm. So we think that it's definitely worthwhile taking a look back at what the ancients taught us about um, plants as amazing sources of medicines um, and we think this is something that we're going to pursue a lot in the future. That's uh, that's all really exciting actually um, because like you said it's it's also an, an, a you know a medication that could be accessible to a lot of different people since you know populations have been using them for a long time across the world. I'm really curious how did how did these ancient people know that these herbs worked specifically for hypotension without like a scientific process? Was it just trial and error? You think or I think I think that's a really good question. I think it, a lot of it would have been trial and error. A lot wow. of these herbs are really tasty. And probably over the years, people noticed, oh, you know, a certain type of person with a certain ailment might have reported that they felt better. And this mm -hmm. becomes sort of written into folklore. Um, and then eventually, oh. you know, hundreds of years later, it actually gets pursued. So as I mentioned before, back in um, hundreds of years ago, people did not have a way of reading blood pressure. So they wouldn't have known someone had what we know today as high blood pressure, and they wouldn't have been able to measure how to lower it. But there was something called 
acknowledged as hard artery disease or mm -hmm. hard vessel disease, where people realized that there's something wrong um, with, with, the, with the vessels or the circulation mm -hmm. or, or this, this person was, was some somehow unwell. Um, so they would have think, done it by trial and error. Um, it's also important to remember that pre-homo sapiens, um, early human species probably knew how to medicate themselves. So we're talking mm -hmm. at least 50,000 years ago for Neanderthal man and possibly even close to a million years ago for early hominins. Um, also some animals medicate themselves as well with, with plants. Um, so again, obviously they don't know how it works. Um, they may not even know that it works. They just, the ones that did this survived and the ones that didn't died. And so it became a, uh -huh. something that they did. So you've, you've got the whole spectrum there from, from just evolutionary, some plants enabled survival to further down the line, early humans or, or, or you know, prehistory pre or early historic humans realized this is beneficial for certain people. And in some cases it may just be, this tastes really great. And yeah. it's just a coincidence. The Mediterranean diet is a good example. Mm. Yeah, that's it's true. very tasty diet, but it's also really, really good for you as well. So, yeah. you know, there's there's possibly some of that as well. Now I know why I feel great after I eat a bowl of pasta. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> so do you think someone um, with high blood pressure would receive immediate benefits from drinking chamomile tea or maybe like consuming some kind of like lavender oil tincture? I don't even know if these are... I don't even know if those are edible, but is that something that people could already benefit from now just after going to the grocery store? So the first thing I would say is the cautionary note that anyone with high blood pressure shouldn't um, stop taking what their physician yeah. has told them to take. <laughs> um, so that's the first thing and, and uh, whatever medicine they're on, they should stay on it. But I would say that consuming some of the plants that we talked about in the study that we described in the study could potentially lower blood pressure by a few points, mm -hmm. uh, especially if, if we kind of find an optimal combination. And all of them are really part of a healthy, balanced diet anyway, so they won't do you any harm. Well, thank you so much for our discussion. I thought it was super interesting, and uh, I definitely learned a lot. So yeah, thank you for joining us. Thank you, it's my pleasure. Professor Abbott's research at the UCI School of Medicine website, som.uci.edu. The UCI podcast is a production of Strategic Communications and Public Affairs. I'm Lily Beth Garcia. Thank you for listening.